episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I'm just talking to the void. Zach edits it in, however it's going to work. Uh-huh. So, so guys, I was, I was thinking, what's the appropriate mm-hmm. theme song for this episode? Is it Free Fallen? Is it <laughs> I Believe I Can Fly? <laughs> Dude, R. Kelly up in this bitch right now. Oh, my God. I believe I can I think R. Kelly fits much better. Was it than Tom Petty? Uh, I don't how, how about let's go? Let's go old school. Let's go mid nineties, uh, mid to early nineties. Animaniacs. Lady fell down to hole. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anybody? They got baloney in their pants. <laughs> I, I remember Animaniacs. I also remember a show we do. We all do together. It's called Game of Bones. <laughs> Goodbye, Liza. Can we say that now officially? We don't know if yeah. Shaka caught her, Micah. How about another one bites the dust? Okay. Or no, that's too I feel easy, like that right? can be used. Maybe that one can be used for uh, what's his face, Rouge. Roar? Who the hell's Rouge? Rouge. <laughs> his death. Having Rouge. Rouge. not read Please his name recently, I thought it was a fairly <laughs> pansy name. And Biter too. He you don't remember him from my name. name is Rouge. <laughs> How did you get Rouge? He lives in a cave. <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> we're happy to be here, guys. Uh, the last episode you heard us speak with, uh, with each other, with with each other was with Brian Cogman, co-producer and writer on Game of Thrones, and now we're just here alone. So I miss him. Yeah, I do too. Sorry we're so boring here today, but Mm -hmm. last night's episode was not boring. (laughs) When I say last night, I mean just now, because we're recording it right after. Let's not let our listeners hang any any further. We did Mm -hmm. get a response uh, uh, to what Brian said that he was going to do for (laughs) Kate, for us, at the end of the last episode. Kate, fill us in. Um, I believe he was going to tell... Uh, Mr. George Martin about my coin theory, which I will not repeat here because that will be the third time. But uh, he <laughs> reportedly did um, convey that theory to George and George, quote unquote, chuckled. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. From the man. I mean, yeah. it's pretty great. What do you yeah. read into that? Do you think it was yeah, a good you know, chuckle, a bad chuckle? chuckle? I feel like um, <laughs> if he's chuckling, that means one of two things. Either ha 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 ha. Oh, God, they're on to me. Now they know my secret, which is not even that great a secret, or ha, 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 what an idiot. Those are the two outcomes, I think. I incline towards the former. I feel like a chuckle is a good thing, though, because I don't think that a chuckle implies an idiot, like you said, Kate. I think it's it's a good sign. <laughs> okay. All right. I think a chuckle, a chuckle could imply, oh, you sweet summer child, just watch the rest of the show exactly. and read the rest of the books yeah. coming soon to a tablet near mm-hmm. you. Because there won't be books when it comes out next. Right. Their books will all be gone from the earth. You can beam it directly to my mind chip. <laughs> you have one of those? <laughs> uh, I will. Speaking <laughs> of the books, I heard from a friend of mine who was also watching this episode in my living room that a certain book ended with this scene. Was it you? Were you your friend? Are you your friend, Eric? You can tell us. No, I have not read the third book. We know this. This is oh. important to our... Uh, d- uh, what's the word? Uh, dynamic on the show is that I have not True. read the third book, but I do have a very close friend mm. who did, and he said that it ended with this scene. That sounds right. Which scene? With Liza throwing down the, the moon cat. door. Yeah, there's a big uproar because mm. that's what what Peter that. says in the book is she. He says, "I've only ever loved one woman," and Liza's smiling tearfully, and he says, "Only cat," and he and he pushes her out the sister out the sister. <laughs> But I was I was actually I was fine with that because I I knew that was the line and I was like nobody's gonna remember who Kat is, for one thing. Uh we never really knew her as Kat 
And uh, if he if he says only Catlin, maybe whatever. But the only cat line had to change. So I, I that's that change did not upset me very much because he, he would say like only cat and then <laughs> push her out the window and people like which cat Sir Pounce? I think what? <laughs> that's the only woman he's ever loved. I think Sir Pounce is a boy. It would just cause a lot of confusion. Yeah. I, that's what uh one of the site writers Arches of the fury said on twitter earlier she was saying that it could have been because maybe it was a nod toward the unsullied like hey just in case you don't remember that they were kin this is kind of a big deal right. here we go well cat's been mentioned a lot this season um, yeah so is ned for that matter he got another mention in this episode uh and it's it's always nice to kind of get those callbacks but i will say technically this is how the third book ends. However, it's not really. What a way to end not only this episode, but if it was anywhere near the end of a book. I mean, let's just say I know that we've been a little quieter than, than usual when we record these episodes just after. It may have been because the half hour conversation we had about console video games before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, um, it, it's an exciting time because we got to see so much more of Littlefinger's relationship with Sansa. And I feel like we haven't got to see very much personal development with people with Sansa. Is it is it fair to say very much at all? Because people are just going in and out of her mm -hmm. life, it seems, and she's such a, a pawn and a piece. But for this guy, she's very much the epicenter in a lot of different ways. And I'm not sure if that was what made him do what he did atop the moon door. Either way, it happened. I was also, I was going to bring up, this is something that was less clear in the books, but was very, very clear in the show to me. The scene where she's building the snow castle and Robin comes along, stomps on it, and they get in a fight, and she slaps him. And it's clear right then that they are, they're basically, they're having like a sibling squabble. It's its two kids yeah. that are fighting. And it, at that moment, I saw her as a little girl. And then immediately, Peter Baelish comes along and treats her very much as not the little girl that she is. Right. And that's that contrast. Mm. I feel like observing that, he must have also seen her as a little girl. Um, and that, so it made that scene extra creepy. No, I agree. And his voice completely changed. Yeah. Oh God. He's oh yeah. Like, it did. He's his a whole demeanor. Yeah. He's such a, such a But creep. Kate, I think that's good because it, it reminded me of a scene between her and Arya. Um, although I don't know that Sansa would have gotten away with slapping Arya. Right. Uh, in the same way. I think Arya probably would have fought back a little bit. <laughs> I think that Baelish is just this. It's hard to get a read on him, you know, because you're not entirely sure what his motives that's are true. yet. Well, it continues to evolve. Not, that, that's true. He does continue to evolve. But even Sansa had to ask him again, why did you kill Joffrey? She asked him again in this mm. episode. And I think she did get a, a kind of a closer answer that may inform the same reason he threw Liza out the window. That the one that he loved, the only one that he ever loved... Um, Lily Evans, no, sorry, Catelyn Stark, uh, was put in danger. Her only, like, legacy now being Sansa, um, was in danger. And he was not having any of that. Eric, do we really believe that was why he's been so aggressive towards, I guess, the people that have wronged the ones he doesn't love? Or is this just another game that he's playing on Sansa and she sees that and is sort of playing him back? That's interesting. If it were Varys, I would say maybe there's another layer where he doesn't actually give a crap about Sansa. But no, I mean, I think Baelish really worked hard to get her out of King's Landing into safety. And now I was really ready to take back what I said a few episodes ago. That, oh, yeah, Sansa will be safe at the Eyrie. You know, because 
Liza is just crazy. But then again, now she's out of the picture. So is Sansa I don't think safe? she's any safer. Very big surprise. Um, I think that Peter mm. will protect her, but not out of any sense of goodwill. Um, he has he has a, a perverted desire for her that isn't for her. And uh, it doesn't it does not mean she's safe. Do you think he wants to be king in the north? Um, I think that's certainly a possibility. He's he's been climbing the the social feudal ladder his entire life. Mm-hmm. And so becoming king of the in the north would be a perfectly fine next step for him. I think that we heard Tyrion contemplate being king in the north at some point in that's this true. episode. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely Eric, not a bad you promise. Asked a really good question about the the dynamic of the conversation between Sansa and Baelish and when Baelish replies about why he killed Joffrey, he did it because he loved Catelyn. And there's that line about what do we do to those who hurt the ones we love? Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was definitely true. It, his feelings for Catelyn have been very much evident throughout the last couple of seasons ever since really – we got the introduction to their backstory. But I do think at the same time, he saw Joffrey as a very big threat to whatever it is he's looking to accomplish. So I think his reasoning is, is twofold. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. In their exchange after the, the snow house got, or I guess you could say the whole playfield got destroyed in a rather kind of sad way because it looks so pretty. I was just wondering how she was able to do that without like cups or little pails and stuff because the, <laughs> the circled tops of those, those turret-like structures were beautiful. But... He he really took to the next level. Let me worry about Aunt Lysa. And he did. He he took completely care of it. Mm-hmm. Did you see the branch she put in there as the weirwood? Yeah, Aww. yeah. No, I first I thought that entire snowy place was sort of a, a reserve for her, like almost a weirwood reserve. But in a way, uh, we got such a cool little glimpse into Sansa feeling like she was safe and at home again when she walked into the snow, which I feel like she hasn't been around the snow, which felt northy in a really long mm-hmm. time. That's true. Absolutely. Do you think there is anything to be said, though, that Robin destroys this castle and, in fact, it was his mom who really had a hand in destroying Winterfell to begin with? I was just thinking about that, the the symbology of Robin destroying Winterfell. Mm. You know, she freaks out, I think, a little heavily at first. It's just one tower that falls, you know, (laughs) when he accidentally hits it. And then pretty soon she slaps him and then he runs all over it. But but really, like, it's snow. You can just mold it back together. I don't really know what the big deal is. <laughs> well, because it took her a long time to make. It was very impressive. I would have been a little upset, too. Ah, so well, the whole she, breaking she... into, uh, you know, the, the little exchange that they had, I thought that was a, an interesting way to juxtapose, like Kate said, the next mm-hmm. part of the scene. And it's such a daunting scene, really, there with Baelish. I didn't expect a kiss mm-hmm. to happen. But he says a lot mm. can happen between now and never. And I'm oh, <laughs> oh God, it doesn't – call me Peter. Yeah, it can. <laughs> it was interesting to see Sansa now and Robin at odds because this is surely going into play or going to be put into play in the next – you know, in the coming story with who is Lord of the Vale. You know, is it Baelish or if he's accused of Liza's murder, does it pass to the sun? Is somebody ruling in his mm-hmm. stead? Lots of interesting questions about – the the eerie and kind of Baelish's position there. Yeah, it's easy to forget that these people essentially have many men at their command. So we're we're seeing the inside look of these people that are the bosses of King's Landing, or we go to the Vale, or we go to Dragonstone, etc. But in reality, you know, this person, Lysa dying, is a huge deal. We don't know exactly what Littlefinger is going to do now that there is a voice missing, but I don't think Robin is all too safe at this moment. Let me ask you guys a question mm-hmm. about Peter. 
uh, he has never historically been a man to succumb to primal urges. And yet he kisses Sansa, knowing that Lysa is insane, knowing that she could be anywhere, that anybody could see them. Um, and in fact, Lysa does see them. I mm. am wondering if maybe he did it on purpose. Ooh. Mm. I wouldn't put anything past him, but at the same time, I think maybe he's letting those primal urges rule him because he won. And I think he is in a position to gloat at mm. the moment. Um, so both in both in kissing Sansa, which I hadn't thought of, but when you said that, I was thinking more about when he pushed Liza out the door. Um, that urge, that primal urge to protect uh, a daughter, you know, he says in a, in a happier world, you could have been my child primal urge to protect the daughter of the one he loves at any rate, the one he truly loves and to defend that love by killing one who would bring harm to it. I think that was a, in a way a primal response. And so he is in a way letting these urges rule him uh, here because he feels like all the plotting has really allowed him to, you know, uh, leash out he kind of he kind of just pff, exploded and now he's at the eerie living it up being king or whatever you are up there a lord and uh i think he is uh, you know feeling more free to, to to let his emotions rule well i think we could connect it to the Oberyn Tyrion conversation in a way Tyrion was speaking about cersei using very honest sentiments inside of her to get to very dishonest means i think that, that could be the really case good. here with baelish you know because he has those feelings yes and he feels that way about cat so on paper it makes sense that he would want to protect sansa we get that but i just think that it might be a little yeah, naive on our part to consider all of this not something that he's had in the works for a while. Now that I know that he's done so much that it wasn't just limited to King Joffrey, I think that it's convenient that it played out this way and it does nothing but make Sansa even closer to him. Well, yeah. And it's strategic too. I mean, he loses an accomplice um, who would and, and certainly did spout uh, their you know, injustices together, all the crimes that they're, they're capable of. She could have told somebody, you know, else if she had been left alive, especially despite him. Um, oh, because Sansa she's very easily heard what she said. Now, you know, he gets rid of his accomplice. So there's that. And now he's potentially in charge of the Eerie without a crazy leader to worry about. Oh, that is yep. so true. So Sansa was there when she was giving her sort of last running her mouth. I killed these people. I killed these people. So, oh, wow. Was she? Or had Yar. Robin taken her up to her chamber at that point? She was there tonight. And Lysa definitely talked about it with her at the door. Yeah, she was going to toss she her ran out. through a list of people who were mm -hmm. dead. She said it, you know, all these people... Um, you know, that's what happens to people who stand between Peter and me. Right. Yeah. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Like eggs dropped on the floor. <laughs> so but I, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask that the unsullied, did you get a sense that this was what was going to happen? Did you think that Lysa was going out the door or did you think Sansa was in real danger? Sansa at first. And no, I didn't see the, the Lysa death coming. I thought it was another one of those sort of frantic moments that the show likes to put us on pens and needles, but maybe would have a conclusion later, but we got to see Lysa fly just like Robin wanted. Like, like Joffrey on the, uh, <laughs> Joffrey on the, it was a parapet, the, the small bridge where Sansa was thinking about. Yeah, pushing exactly. Him down. Exactly. Um, that would have sucked. No, I thought she was a little close. Seeing as how nobody closed the door after Sansa was held in front of it, I was like, yep, okay, Liza's going out. So I did I did about five-second premonition there. I, I did see it happening. But when Baelish actually did it, it didn't, it didn't cheapen by the fact that I knew it was coming. Like, 
Right. The fact that he did that was extremely satisfying. Yeah, it, it really was. And, you know, when when he said your sister, I knew then because you don't really go back from that. And when he was building up to the only person he ever loved, I mean, at that moment, you can kind of, okay, yeah, she's probably going to have... Probably not her. Yeah. She's not going to be able to follow up on this convo, let's just say. Micah, you had a super gross tweet earlier. Um, it was beautiful. <laughs> it, was, it was actually the closest thing to amazing. art I think any of us have ever produced. Oh, it's just, it's a legitimate question. How is he going to eat now that so. his mom has been thrown out of the moon door? Lemons, lots of lemons. Yeah, he's got all the lemons. <laughs> well, many people responded to me saying Sansa. Oh, no. <laughs> That is worse than your tweet. <laughs> I would, I, I'm waiting for the one person who says Baelish. Oh, oh no. God. Well, our show is taking a turn for the worst here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, oh, crazy ladies, crazy ladies. There, there were some over. really, there were some really great scenes, uh, in this particular episode. Uh, but the one I think, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, uh, brief mentions so far, but the scene between Oberyn and Tyrion oh, yes. was awesome. The whole episode is building up to it. They show Tyrion several times. He's taking counsel from Jamie. He's talking with Bronn. And eventually, kind of unexpectedly, not as any, part of any plan of Tyrion's, he finds his champion. Which I think almost just makes ma- all the mathematical sense after we got the reveal earlier in the episode that the mountain was Cersei's champion. I mean, who who would stand toe-to-toe with the mountain for anyone at this point, right? And, and he, really, he yeah. didn't really find his champion. It sounds like his, his champion found him. And he, Absolutely. He, he'd given up on life. He was done. I think the most beautiful thing about this scene was um, near the the end of Oberyn's story about meeting Tyrion as a baby, which is just gorgeous, just an incredible Mm -hmm. story. And for a good 15, 20 seconds, maybe longer, they just show Tyrion's face reacting to the things that these, these words of unintentional kindness, I think that are coming out of Oberyn's mouth, telling him that he's not as much of a freak. He's a very disappointing freak. If he, if indeed he is one. Um, And, (laughs) the the way his face contorts to have someone so unexpectedly show him kindness in this moment yeah. i almost started to cry i'm going to be honest there were a lot of moments in this <laughs> in this particular episode where i was like <laughs> oh, it's just like tearing up a little bit i will be your champion <laughs> i'll be your champion Tyrion. <laughs> but yeah that was there was some i i thought uh peter dinklage couldn't outdo himself from last episode and i feel like he at least kept it on par, if not outdid himself this time. No, I agree. And Oberyn is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. I mean, he really was, last episode, you know, Mr. Follow-up Question. He, he asked all the important follow-up questions at the trial, and he was interested, and he didn't stand up when Tywin came in. He's just, you know, he's just there. He's just lounging. He's great. But he's able to see an opportunity. And with Tywin and he uh, going back a couple episodes now, I mean, Tywin offered to let him pretty much meet the Hound or avenge his sister in, in, in sort of another setting. So Oberyn doesn't necessarily need to – I mean, unless unless it's possible that the Mountain will lose – and then this would be Oberyn's only chance to fight him. I, I'm just saying the point I'm trying to make is that Oberyn's really doing this out of out of a kindness to Tyrion, um, because there may be other opportunities to fight the Mountain. Right? This isn't the only chance to fight the Mountain. Tyrion is not going to get you know another champion who really could stand his ground. Well, I will say a couple of things about that. I think 
this is the only publicly acceptable way for Oberyn to claim victory over the mountain. He can't, he yeah. cannot politically assassinate him and say, I did it, yo, and like flip the bird while he sails back to Dorne or whatever. Like, <laughs> he can't do that. He's gotta, he's gotta do it in a way that if he wants the mountain to know that Oberyn Martell killed him, he has to be able yeah. to do it in this particular way. It's the perfect opportunity. He could poison him. Mm-hmm. He could send somebody after him. It's not, it's not his way. It, it's not the Oberyn way. He wants the mountain to know. I'd like to think that what he was saying in his whole, monologue sort of leading up to all of this and his conversation with Tyrion. I I would like to think that part of it is driven by his view of the whole situation and just how ridiculous it is. He's sort of seeing it as maybe there's two positives of this. Tyrion Tyrion could be let off, I guess, three. He could then also piss off the Lannisters even more. And he could also kill the the mountain, like you said, with all of the glory associated with it. I I think the meaning is double-sided. You know, Kate brought up the the story about... It is like a coin. Uh, but Tyrion is a baby. But I think if you take it a, one step further, the fact that Cersei was lying about what Tyrion really was. And I think Oberyn has yeah. experienced this once before, and he's now mm. experiencing it again. I think he very much believes Tyrion to be innocent. Yes. And then also the fact that Jaime was the one who kind of came to Tyrion's aid, similar to what has happened here. At the trial, it didn't work out, obviously, but he was there to kind of save his brother. So I think Oberyn finds himself in a very similar situation to that time at Casterly Rock. So he he obviously wants to avenge his sister and his niece and his nephew um, by killing the mountain, but I think he also on some level, believes in Tyrion's innocence. Which, I mean, who would have thought that we would have got such a, a beautiful look into the past of a character that's been at the forefront of the series since episode one? You know, we got to hear yeah. so much, not only about Tyrion, but also about Cersei and Jaime. Just knowing that that was how this went down in their earlier age, it kind of makes you wish for a children's adaptation of all of them hanging out. <laughs> I mean, that would be horrible. A cartoon. Absolutely, baby. <laughs> It's like X, X-Men Evolution, but it's Game something. of Thrones anyway. characters all in high school together. Right. Oh, School so, of Thrones. They did that. But it's 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 sad how she treated her brother. And I understand all of the stuff behind it in Cersei's mind. But I really hope that Tyrion gets his justice with Oberyn. I don't know how it's going to play out because when we got to see the new mountain, he's even more scary than all the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember for the life of me the other ones, but this guy looks uh, just uh, just that whole line. He's that whole scene. He's killing people. I, you know, clearly they were like lined up for him. Yeah, it's like Civic League. You got a pitching machine. Just go for it, kids. Cer- Cersei comes out and it's just like, "Welcome to King's Landing. <laughs> Thanks for taking out the trash, kid." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was. That yeah. was I liked his. That was yeah, interesting. Yes, like who am I fighting? She's like, does it matter? And he just shakes his head. <laughs> He's like, mm, no don't care. Yeah, and then but I thought it was funny because we were sort of we we got to see him, but we also got to hear more about the giants in this episode. And maybe this is just I'm on a Game of Thrones podcast, so I'm looking for parallels and connections. I mean, mm-hmm. does it have anything to do with the fact that we're we're getting more insight on how large this threat is and how dangerous these people can be? Yeah, I mean, we're dealing with different sizes of men. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yes, Zach, giants are big. Um, okay, well, maybe that was reaching a little bit, but what about no, Braun? Jon Snow got shit. He can dance around tall people, yeah. right? Well, Jon Snow got a lot of shit in this episode because he wanted to seal the, the, t- the tunnel. And I don't know how many of those men were really interested in continuing to do their job. You know, oh, you're cutting off our only legs. We can't do our duty <laughs> yeah. as protectors of the realm if we yeah. don't have the tunnel. I'm like, guys, you're just pretty... I, I, part I, you want to disagree to- with Jon, right? That, that, was, that was a bit of a reach. What are they... Okay, let's talk about what do the rangers do north of the wall that is so important <laughs> that they need that tunnel, even though Jon Snow says there's a, an army of 100,000 men and they have giants. Yeah. Like, what is it? Yeah. Are they? Are there, are there better... Are there fatter deer up there? The, the, as far as I know, the only thing that happens when you go north of the wall is your Lord Commander gets killed and you turn into a wildling. (laughs) I I think your question is spot on. The question that I'm asking, the question that I think many viewers would be asking because it was kind of made as a scene to ridicule Jon Snow for his ideas here. Obviously, it's a power play, you know, as it were. I was expecting, I mean, Jon Snow doesn't quite have the the prep. You know, he hasn't had Slint's advice or anything that, that he's given, like, to Thorne about the upcoming eventual election of a real Lord Commander. But I kind of half expected Jon Snow to challenge him in that scene and be like, well, you know, maybe Rangers can't... Uh, <laughs> Do, do climb down the decisions. wall but but lord commanders can make that decision i want to be lord commander you know just kind of get a vote right there and then to usurp uh thorn but it didn't happen but still like, i i it really does beg the question what is what's the problem with john's you know i know plan, it, was, it was just really. john versus alistair like that that's all it was. Thorne clearly wants to disagree with John because he he was prepped by Slint and he knows that there could be some sort of int moot approaching and he doesn't want to take that long for decisions. So he's trying to avoid it in, in every way possible. So he's basically, "Oh John, you have an idea? Great. That's not a good one. Your last one, right. we thought you were going to die during. That was successful, but this one's going to be bad." Right, builder guy? He's like, eh, "John's sort of right." And he's like, "Shut up." And he's like, "Yeah, he's totally wrong." Yeah. <laughs> so we can already see the dissension among the ranks billowing right now. Hail, mm. all I got to say is if Maester Aemon was there, oh yeah, <laughs> John would have won. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's setting it up, right? The the more tenuous the conversation between these two, the more likely it is that it's going to come to a head at some point and they're going to have to elect another lord commander and I think as has been the case in the past, John is going to be proven right. And I'm not just saying that because we saw certain things in trailers, um, you know, at the beginning <laughs> of the season, right? Um, but there, there is one that you know, shot or two from the tunnel, and True. You know, the bottom line is, John knows what he's talking about. We know he knows what he's talking about. But Thorn is a big pain in the ass. He has been ever since John showed it's up at the wall in our and decided, <laughs> yeah, and decided to defend Sam and Slint and John haven't gotten to get, you know gotten along really since slint you know showed up there so mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like the they're they're a bunch of cronies that are that are leading the night's watch right now and they're not doing what's in all of their best interest you'd think it would make sense to seal off the tunnel and go up the wall so you can dump shit down on people mm-hmm. i mean yeah. you got a 700 Chinese foot trick. barrier to use as your advantage i i elect micah lord commander yeah i'm with you too micah <laughs> It's true. If they just would freeze it in, no one could get in through that little tunnel. It would just it would make a lot more sense. It's so much easier to, to cut a rope or to like throw stuff down at a hundred thousand people than it is to, hey, stay out of here, you know? 
it's a bit like leaving the door this open. This is my tunnel. Um, I mean, he said they were four inch thick. Great. Okay. Okay. Four inches thick. Great. There are giants on the other end. There are a myriad of other creatures and weapons and, and who knows, maybe they've been developing something that'll cut through four inches of whatever he said the material was, but it's, it is a bit like leaving the door open. It is a bit like, um, giving everyone else outside the wall a target. Um, you know, it's a weak point. Essentially, if you flood that and then let it freeze, they've all got to become climbers and guaranteed their family is not, you know, going to all come up with them and all make it over the wall and all be equally good at climbing. And so they're going to end up, I mean, that, that I think that one little strategic situation or suggestion would very much hinder even afterwards because you can't like un, you can't really unclog the tunnel all that easily, um, after it's been done. So why would you ever want to go north? Exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing. If you see well, their off. family would be left up north unless their family did climb the wall, but I imagine oh, you're there's about children. the wildlings win. Yeah. Yeah. Even oh, if the wildlings win, you know, their family and stuff are still stuck over the wall if they didn't have a tunnel to go through. We're meant to be pissed off about it, though. Yeah, We're meant to course. say this is to think this is clearly the better option, but a crony in charge is making the wrong decision. This is something that we see in BSG. I mean, we see this all over. This isn't everything. This is like the frustration we get to feel as the omnipresent viewer that knows better than what these people are doing on screen. And poor Ghost can't catch a break. He just no goes fair. from one pad to the other being locked <laughs> up. I would love to Big see and beautiful, them though. try to make a stew out of ghosts. Yeah, I, I know. Just think of that. It, man. Um, the other scene, speaking of scenes that make me cry, mm, not scenes. speaking of scenes, <laughs> let me tell you about another scene. Um, Please. The stuff with Arya and the hounds. Yeah. Oh yep. my gosh. Their countryside antics are just killing me. Yeah. It, it got really good this episode. It, it went somewhere oh. deep and I am all the more happy for my it. My heart. My heart. I couldn't handle it. Like them, <laughs> them showing the dying guy mercy was one thing. Like the, this, uh, the hound had this yeah. tenderness about him that you've never seen before. And, uh, he just, he doesn't rob the guy. He's not doing it for, for bloodlust or for money. He just knows that the man's in a lot of pain. Um, and he, uh, he puts him out of his misery. And Arya has this wonderful talk. God, I love Arya more and more. I've always loved Arya, but this show, and she, she has this talk about mortality with this guy. And she's what? She's a 12 in the show right now. And she's, she's like, nothing. It's nothing's just nothing. It's not better or worse. I was like, damn, that's deep. Damn. It's true. <laughs> and then with his bite and he like rips the guy's head off. Uh, and then the wonderful scene with Rorge or Rouge, if you if you prefer. Hey, I didn't read that name recently enough in the books to be able to remember <laughs> it. Okay. I wrote it down in my notes that it was him, and I felt sort of bad that it might not have been him because they, they asked showed him the name previously on Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, they did show him. They did yeah. show him. But who do you remember out of those three guys? You remember Biter? He said <laughs> and you name. remember Jake and Hagar. Okay, Rorge or whatever his face is, and I didn't have captions on at the moment, is just a, a, a lost soul. Sorry. And I'm glad that he uh, went away in this in the show. I was happy to see Roy's face get a little poke to the chest. Yeah. That's where the heart is. Boom. And what a badass exchange, too. She is stone cold. I want to be Arya. She's becoming a killer. And she's she really evolving. Is. You're learning. As yeah, this and the hound says assassin. Yes. But uh, they're becoming quite the... Uh, Traveling companions, that's for sure. And he tells and a story about the, his brother. Another little look back into the history of a character. It's true. Mm. There were a lot of a lot of childhood flashbacks today. I feel like that was sort of a theme. It's almost uh, this this innocence. You you get to see a lot of the childhood pasts 
you see Sansa as, as a child, you see her as the child that she is. Um, and, and yet it's, it's so starkly contrasted with what's happening in the present. It's called Mockingbird, which it, it, it always reminds me of the nursing, a nursery rhyme about if your mockingbird won't sing, Papa's going to buy you a diamond ring, which is a, a very, a childish kind of, kind of rhyme. If anyone doesn't know what she's talking about, uh, go see Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, just uh, the most annoying sound in the world. I, I really liked how you know the hound did his little wipe of the blade, and then Arya did the same thing with Needle after mm-hmm. she killed Rorge. Yeah. Oh so yeah. I felt even more so, and I know we mentioned this on the episode with uh, Brian Cogman. It's this season is very much about tying up loose ends and bringing things full circle. And I think you got even more of that again, tying back to the um, scene which they showed uh, just before the the episode started with um, Biter and Rourke, and now they're dead. You know, there there was there you've learned more about their story, and their story ended, and it was the same thing. They let me tell you, talk about bringing tears to your eyes, okay? <laughs> How about freaking hot pie? Okay, oh, he was yes. trending oh. here. I was so happy. I was. I did not expect that. It was beautiful. Thank you, show, for that. Thank you. Thank show. you. Brienne and and Direwolf bread. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Eric? Were you skeptical of the Brienne and Podrick stuff? Because let me uh, tell you, no, it was totally Kate. Was handled Kate. so well. Oh, okay. Well, what the hell? I, okay, you were nice to Eric, but now that it's Kate, it's what the hell? <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've been dealing with Eric's frustrations for years. You, there is dissension. Like Pod was freaking right. Okay, Pod is right. You do not go around, even in the North, especially now when the when the Starks own Bannerman killed them at a wedding. You do not go around saying you're looking for the Starks yes. or that or that you were sworn to protect the Starks. You just don't do that. Pod is a hundred percent right, and Brienne is like, I told you so. We got bread. Yeah, <laughs> well, she was like, right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's totally giving her good counsel. Yeah, think, and, and he's the one who advises that they go to the, the Erie mm-hmm. to look for Sansa and Arya. Well, that happened. Yeah, and he's not—he's not wrong. No, but did I hear that the the, the river run was taken over by the phrase? Yes, I do believe that they said mm-hmm. that. Okay, because that worries me. Where's Edmure? Where's Blackfish? Yeah, and she believes him. She takes his word for it. She's like, "All right, let's do this." And they they take the right fork. And I'm wondering. I'm just like Brian. This is so obvious. Come on, this is this is basic stuff. You would think that she would do. I'm just. I'm just a little frustrated. I feel like I I give Brienne more credit than than she deserves, perhaps. I no, I I like her show arc because she is learning to take advice. She's learning to ask for help, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just as she's continually winning battles and being the most badass warrior. So, she's so badass. I I mean, I'm just wondering what she's going to say at the at the 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 gate to. Get into the eerie. That's what I want to see. I thought we were going to be dealt with another one of those situations where we get so close to having some sort of connection between people that we like and people, other people that we like. And finally, we got to see a little a shadow of it with Hot Pie leaving the inn and coming out and sort of breaking that wall and saying, I did travel with Arya. She did make it out okay. She's running around as a boy named Ari, but she's all right. I just felt like finally we got a little bit of action there. Absolutely. I mean, just knowing that seeing characters know that she's alive. These are the first characters who know that she's alive. Um, some people still assume that she was, you know, killed trying to escape King's Landing or something. I wonder if Hot Pie is the only character who's had a happy ending on this show. You cannot 
give up on the gravy. I I don't think, I don't think it's over yet. (laughs) Anything could happen to hot pie. Maybe in a couple seasons, if we haven't seen his corpse strewn out upon a wasteland, um, that's horrible to see, you know, that could just be, I mean, I, I, Eric, Eric's right. What if he becomes the hot pie? Well, what if what if he becomes a White Walker and then they have to call him Cold Pie? <laughs> oh no! Uh, All the warmth has left his body. I and see where this is cooking. going here. All right. Well, and speaking up. of warmth leaving the body, Braun and Tyrion. Can we just talk about that for a second? Uh, right? They shook hands. Oh, this whole episode is full of those awes, man. He looked fresh in that cape. Really nice clothes. Super, super <laughs> fresh. I was into it. The cape. Yeah. He holds the cape. He's, he's, like, he's got like he's got like a Lando Calrissian vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Lando, very very Lando. Um, I love Bespin. He, yeah. So was this an <laughs> what? I love Bespin. Now was this an arrangement? Perhaps I missed something in the dialogue. Was this an arrangement? And it wouldn't be the first time, but was this an arrangement between Bronn and Cersei, or what specifically is is happening here with Stokeworth? It's got to be Cersei. Okay. I think Tyrion ID'd it right away, and uh, and Bronn didn't deny it, so I I assume he was correct. Can we be happy for Bronn? Can we allow ourselves a moment to sort of be happy for this guy? Yeah. I mean, he I mean, he raised some pretty valid points about their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> they did have a little like bro like a bro goodbye at the end which made it okay like if Tyrion's okay with it i'm okay with it i suppose yeah. that's how i feel yeah well he was very loyal to this man for quite a long time considering the nature of what kind of a guy Braun is and they're friends they're bros yeah, but that, that's what he says too is what zach just said Tyrion says like all of the qualities that are causing you to walk out on me right now are the reasons i like you yeah. <laughs> you're despicable yeah. i love that <laughs> and he's able to extend his hand and really that made it you know like kate said it's if if Tyrion's okay with it and he and he was i mean Tyrion had resigned himself to his fate at that point because you know nobody could see oberon coming in but i have a feeling it's going to work out all right and then all bronze got to worry about is killing the older sister of his wife i guess (laughs) won't that make a great song (laughs) yeah no their bromance there and that thing about the song what he said i should like to hear it um, be sung about if Tyrion went up, if the imp went up against the mountain. I'm going to cry, yeah. Eric. What would, what would that song be called? The best I could come up with was the foot of the mountain because oh. that's <laughs> like the, what he would be able to hit because he's so small. The significance of Bronn now being cut out of Tyrion's life, it, it's setting a, you know, it's part of a larger trend. You know, he's lost Podrick. He's lost Shay. He's now lost Bronn. Uh, and you have to wonder, what is this setting him up for? You know, he's got a monumental task in front of him. Even if he has Oberyn fighting for him, he's still fighting the mountain. And you wonder as he continues to lose all these things in his life that are important to him, what's going to happen to him? It's a fair question. And, and the really the one that I'm asking is that, uh, what will Tyrion do after? say the trial by combat goes well and in his favor. He cannot be executed. He is proven by the gods to be innocent for the killing of Joffrey. But at the same time, you can't just really go and be on the small council again with your sister or or whoever. You know, you can't really remain in King's Landing a free man because your whole family at this point, minus Jamie, you know, both 
Tywin and Cersei have, um, in the strongest ways possible, uh, shown that they do not really want him there. And so what is his role? What, and he, you know, does he go and then want to continue the line at Casterly Rock? No, doubtful. What could, you know, what possible outcome could this have for Tyrion uh. where he receives, he, he would have to receive the family's blessing, uh, you know, to exist because obviously after trial by combat, you are absolved, but at the same time, what are they going to let him do? Because he's right, motherfuckers. <laughs> like he didn't do it. Now what? It's just that it's, it's shameful to have accused him of it if he's judged incorrectly, I think. And it just goes back to what we were saying at the end of the last episode, like Tywin's plans are, are completely foiled. So I really want to know what's happening next for Tyrion and it's exciting to think that he'll be around and if for he loses a long time to come if he loses he dies you know that's the beautiful thing because we don't we don't know I think Eric it's so exciting we get to we get this well, sort of two big... of us know well yeah that's what I'm saying <laughs> it, it, it's exciting to know that such a major character has such an unknown future ahead of us I mean he could pull Barris and Selmy and go join up with Daenerys and god think about how powerful they would be together That'd be beautiful. I'm just saying that the possibilities for Tyrion are limitless if he makes it out of this alive, because uh, essentially he's probably got a little bit of gold that he can scrape up. Like things can happen, I think. You know, that reminds me. Did we ask this question last episode why Tywin was writing to Marine? Because we, we joked about obviously Mace Terrell is his paper fetcher or whatever. But I think it's said that, that Tywin wants to write to like Danny. What would Tywin have to say to Danny? Um, hello, I'm keeping the throne wa- the throne warm for you. Like Mary Tommen, please. Not, it's not a surrender, right? <laughs> Mary Tommen. <laughs> cool it with a oh, gosh. I mean, Love so you Tyler. thought of uh, Tyrion going over to help Daenerys, but I feel like that avenue may be being closed off to him or something. I don't know. I wonder how Daenerys would treat a a current, I wouldn't say throne incumbent, um, but you know his family is 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 on the throne. That's well, very odd. We all know Tywin likes to stir the pot a bit. And I mm-hmm. remember that Daenerys is not the only person inside the walls of Marine. There are others there with her. And he has a high level of influence because he has a lot of money. So uh, perhaps his letter is not intended for her. Let's talk about the walls of Marine, or rather the windows of Marine. <laughs> okay. If if we can here for a moment. Did, did Dario scale a sheer pyramidal wall? Mm-hmm. Okay. He flew actually. He's got wings. He rode a turtle shell <laughs> up the side. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. They're a lot faster actually, than walking. He has uh he took he ate one of those flowers and got flower power and he just you know, like, <laughs> That's not what it's called. <laughs> Shot fire yeah, people for Dario. That's what it's called. Okay, his flower power. His flower power worked great. <laughs> and I was actually, let me just say this: having a sexy male striptease scene. Thank you, HBO. About time, right? Slow clap. It has been a while. <laughs> it has been a while since I think you've really been invited to look on men that way. Um, Renly and Loris were mm-hmm. uh, some very good scenes in season two. Yeah, Steamy. Oberyn had a, a blonde boy toy for a, for a brief moment. For a few seconds. Uh, he yeah, wants what he wants. Ladies. You're good for HBO getting the, getting the guys in there. Um, but his walk of shame, or rather, as I titled <laughs> in my notes, walk of no shame, um, was fairly epic. Oh, that was hilarious. She's in a good mood. Jorah. Jorah just... <laughs> Heartbreak. He cracked a joke too, by the way. He walked in. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, later than some. 
<laughs> I mean, it was good. It was interesting to see Daenerys uh, from a different perspective because obviously that's not a perspective we've got to see in a long time. But he was sort of challenging her unofficially. He had business to talk about. Like he did swim to an island off the coast and get the flowers. Very gallant of him. He did scale the windows. Very gallant of him. But I feel like the power shifted so much. And she was like, "All right, fine then. I hear you're good. Take off your clothes, boy." Like I loved it. It was it was it was a nice flip of things. And really, I wonder if. Uh... All sanity has gone out of her because she is starting to listen to her counsel more and more and more. Jorah is able to convince her um, to change her mind, really, about Dario's uh, actions. And she lets Jorah say that it was him who did it. So she's really playing all of her counsel up close, you know, really, and, and, and letting them think that they're beginning to influence her. I think it's very and smart. You know how he did it? He used the name of Ned Stark. Yep. 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 He said, I wouldn't be here. I I quoted it. I wouldn't be here right now if Ned Stark did to me what you plan to do to those masters. Yeah. Her guy. face changed then. Mm -hmm. he's, he's basically like the equivalent of saying, you value my, um, you know, what's the word? My contributions. They're all because somebody didn't, you know, punish the slave owner. It would be beautiful to see like a picture of Ned framed in Daenerys's office later, like while she's working just for inspiration. <laughs> right? She's she like puts down her pen, takes off her glasses, and she yeah. looks at it thoughtfully for a moment. <sighs> what would yeah. Ned do? Yeah. W Maybe. Well, I mean Maybe. He was Rob's best friend and we all know how that ended with Rhaegar, so That's I don't true. know, maybe like an honorable mention plaque. Yeah, I think she <laughs> considers him to be part of the army of the usurper. I don't, yeah. I don't oh, think she's <laughs> Ned Stark himself. Just kind of tying into that, you know, Eric mentioned Tywin earlier. I don't think uh, we've ever seen Jorah really tell Daenerys why, you know, his initial intent. And that was specifically brought up in the small council meeting last weekend. Or last weekend, yeah. They were meeting last week <laughs> um, on the last episode. So again, talking about being a pot stirrer, Tywin can kind of let that information slip to Daenerys, and that might cause some problems. Or oh, you're right. even worse to somebody like Dario, who, let's face it, I mean, they're in a pretty big pissing contest between the two of them. <laughs> no no puns intended, I guess, there. From <laughs> well, we've only Dario seen one piss, piss so far. So. <laughs> He's winning. But think about that. Think about the implications of that information being out there that Jorah was initially there to help kill Daenerys. Yeah, that's interesting. And that might have something to do with her warmness to him, although I don't know if any information has sort of reached her ears yet. We don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it all plays out. She had a little bit of a different... Um, Morning gown on there. That was a slightly yeah, different sexy dress. Someone yeah, wrote that? in war bikini is what they called it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So whoever did that, that was that was good. What oh do you guys gosh. think about the uh, second sons being sent to retake Yunkai? Though I think that is uh, the implications there are interesting because right now they're sort of playing as an interesting police force. And I was thinking uh, if there was someone to sort of turn the tide around Daenerys, it would be the second sons. They'd be pretty easy to buy, right? So with them leaving, I guess that kind of takes that out of the picture because they're going to be there and they're going to be following her orders, mm, sort of. Dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. She was essentially suggesting that they establish martial law in Yunkai. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Before, before Jorah talked her out of it. It sounds like now they're they're more of an armed escort for Hizdar. Yeah, he's going as this ambassador. But yeah. I think the dangerous nature of the these this, you know, the second sons is that 
we know they're easily purchased. So if you let them out of your sight, let them out of your command, that can be a very dangerous situation for Daenerys because you don't know who else is out there looking to do battle against you. And they can be bought by somebody else just as easily as they were bought by Daenerys. I suppose that the, the Lannisters supposedly have gold, although we know now that that's not true. But if if we hadn't had that scene where Tywin says, "Yeah, we got no money," exactly, then I would I would be a little concerned that he actually might be like, "Hey, we're gonna double your your price from Daenerys." Uh, that that just reminded me of Tyrion's line in this episode. I'm yeah, like, short on castles at the moment. <laughs> that was so true, though. I I love. I hate to go back to Bronn, but when he goes, "If and may and could," I just thought, "Oh, that is mm-hmm. just it in a nutshell." Every if and may and could, and when your life's at stake at that moment. It really doesn't matter. You know, like the hard facts or what's possible is there. And that's kind of what Daenerys is putting out with her sort of last orders to Jorah when she's painting the context of the entire situation, which is mm-hmm. they can live in my new world or they can die in theirs. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's another if. If I wanted wits, I'd marry you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Aaron, Which was like if a, it almost felt like a little fan service. It did. Yeah. Oh, Pranatarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt too perfect to be a scene that wasn't their farewell. So I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that there's much more of those two in the future. Yeah, I ex- I it, it felt very to be, final. Yeah, I expected to be more heartbroken over it. Like I said, if it's a big betrayal, um, but it wasn't really. And uh, I think Brian Cogman cleared that up on the last episode by saying, well, Tywin stopped all the ships in the harbor, so even if Bronn was telling Tyrion the truth, it really lets him out. It really lets him off the hook. So... Maybe she did make it all the way to the boat safely, and Bronn wasn't deceiving Tyrion earlier. Uh, I think it's seen. I think Bronn overall is is seen as more of a betrayal in the books. Um, I don't think it's quite as Hand-shaky. romancy as it was in 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 the show. But I think for the show, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was but I think it goes back to what I said before. Though in the books, you really get a true sense that Tyrion has been completely isolated, and he's lost everything and again book differences to show differences it's fine i'm not complaining about it. i'm just saying that it's a bit different and speaking of some book differences <laughs> uh, i wanted to talk about the this i think it's the last scene we're going to talk about here because um <laughs> what would a game of Thrones episode be without talking about bath scenes Absolutely. <laughs> beautiful bath these scenes. days Kate, i don't i don't know about you but i thought it was curious that they brought up the fact that Shireen needed to go with them. Yeah, I was I was curious about that too. That was news to me. Is she going to be used sacrificially, do you think? Because I think that... Mike is speaking secretively around us to Kate. I'm just saying that it's never... I think never, we're both baffled by it. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. never stressed in the books that yeah. she has to go Ooh, with them. Right. And, and the fact that the show is making a point of it means it's important no that's that's neat at some point i realized during that scene that there was there was important story stuff and and dialogue going on (laughs) (laughs) but at first you were just like oh there's this i'm looking at like 75 percent of the way through the scene i was like i gotta rewind this i have no idea what happened (laughs) salise had troubles too don't worry distracted by (laughs) me and salise both were like oh my god she's not Um, wearing clothes today not you know what i what i did not expect out of that scene was for the lord of light to kind of be taken down a notch or two um because melisandre has this whole shelf or two of potions that are designed to cause hallucinations among other things in normal men in order to convince 
them that the Lord of Light exists. And of course, we've seen the Lord of Light do some crazy shit. Um, shadow babies and also, um, you know, bringing Beric Dondarrion back to life six times or so. Uh, but to know that some of it at least was very carefully planned, you know, potion, uh, is, is very interesting. It really kind of makes it more of a gray area for Melisandre's showmanship. I mean, even, um, Solis asks her, did you use that lust potion mm-hmm. on? you know, my husband. And of course she said, she's also, she's breaking down her secrets, her smoke and mirrors while she is unclothed. Yes. While she's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She's showing, she's, she's showing Celise everything she has. She's like, this is me. This is what I've got. Uh, and these are, these are almost, it's almost like this, this woman's secret kind of, kind of scene. Like these are the, these are the things that no one knows about me. And now, you know, and it feels like it's the only way she's going to win Celise over from Celise's suspicions that she's had an affair with her husband. Now, was there a, uh, a hint of disappointment, though, when Melisandre said she didn't use the Lust Potion? I, I think I, so. I think there was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, imagine being in her situation. It's like, oh, you have a potion that can make them do stuff? That makes sense. That's what you used, right? No. You didn't. Oh, Crap. My booty. And everything else. All yeah. the other stuff. Yeah. But this this scene was like the rest of the episode. Like we were saying, guys, we got to see such a strong person, such a guarded person in many different ways. Like you said, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. Not only did we get to see her without any clothes on while she did all of this, but it was a very innocent way for her to be viewed. It just she felt so much safer. And like Eric said, the Lord of Light coming down a notch, that was sort of the entire context of that scene i feel is to simplify it almost in a way but then there at the end again we got the the the, the volume raised with the mention of what's going to happen to shireen and really i think melisandre's whole point in this scene was to convince or to eventually just continue radicalizing um Solis so that she believes even further in the necessity to kill what's going to amount to being her only child you know we've seen the kids in jars um you know, she can't have a son. The daughter that she has has this, this affliction, this dragon, um, scale condition. Uh, but she's going to end up giving up her only child or will she, you know, will Celise be the dissenting factor? The reason that this little girl who we all want to live, by the way, um, is going to one day eventually live. Will she become more of a mother to her than she's ever been and take her away to safety when Melisandre probably wants to put leeches on her or a knife in her. So you guys think for sure that what she meant there at the end, when the Lord of Light needs Shireen, that that means he demands a sacrifice. Is that is that what nah. she's going for? Yeah. Eh. Who knows? I don't even know where they're going. I was not sure that's what she meant, but it does seem like the Lord of Light likes to burn people. Or Melisandre just likes yes. to burn people. <laughs> One of the two. Well, the lines between them, those two characters, is becoming a little more blurred again with those potions and smokes and mirrors. Like how much of it is the Lord of Light and how much of it is Melisandre's bloodthirstiness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's interesting because if you look at Thoros of Mir, right – you don't really see him burning people. It's true. So no. I think it shows that even in this world, there's different you know, extremes to this religion, much like there are in our society. So you have Thoros on one side who is kind of a happy-go-lucky, lights his sword on fire before he goes into battle 
uses it to bring people back to life versus somebody like Melisandre, who seems to be more on the darker side of things. And, you know, she has a lot of mysticism about her and how she goes about doing things is not very clear. Um, and so not to say that Thoros is the lighter side of it, but I think that they're, they're, on opposite ends of the same spectrum. I wonder if they're more related than we think. I wonder if Melisandre <laughs> <laughs> They're the same person. I wonder if Melisandra her, if her sacrifices to the Lord of Light are in some way related to Thoros's ability to revive Beric Dondarrion. I mean, it's possible. Her her excuse for all the terrible things she's done is basically that she's working with the Azor Ahai to take care of all the shit that needs to be taken care of. So it's sort mm. of like her trump card. Like I, all of this bad stuff is happening, but it's okay be, because it's for a much larger, greater purpose. Whereas Beric's sacrifices aren't quite on that same level, but also his deeds are much different. So they could work together if that's how the magic works if it's mm -hmm. not just potion like if she's if her sacrifices are fueling it's like well i gotta sacrifice three people for every one barrack revival like if it if that's if it's an in and out currency kind of situation assuming the lord of light is real so we may not have touched on every single scene that took place <laughs> during this episode but that's the benefit of having a friday episode and before we wrap up today's episode we all know what we have to do yes and that we is our own. owns Oh, oh, oh. Well, I know Kate wants to give hers. I sure do. Exactly. You sure do. I want to give my own to the crazy fucker who bit the hound on the neck. Yeah. Biter. What in the hell? Yeah. He sees was... the hound is like, I don't have a sword, but I really need that hundred silver dragon. So uh -huh. here goes. Oh, that was a great tie. Well, related kind of. My own also goes to the hound. <laughs> This is a quote – we were talking about Lando Calrissian. This is, just shows how the ever-expanding Star Wars universe – I felt it showed <laughs> up when the Hound has a line like, no reward is worth this much, which is exactly what Han Solo says about Leia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, of course, he's talking about either himself or Arya. I forget which at this point. But um, I thought that was unworthy. So, yeah, there you go. Very good, sir. Star Wars own. This own, I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I know. I can't think of mine either. <laughs> I'm going to give my own to, to actually, it's a combo of Tyrion and Bronn. Combo. Combo. It's a bro cone. <laughs> okay. Bro -cone. Bring it in. A brone? A brone. Yeah. Just say uh, brony. It's easier. It's a brony. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> uh, Tyrion says, I'll have to kill the mountain myself. Won't that make for a great song? And Bronn says, I hope to hear it one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> what do you say after that? I don't even know how to follow that up. That was too I know, sweet, Mike. Exactly. I'm going to give an it an amicable parting. Okay. I'll help you out. Please. I'm gonna, it's, it's an uh, how, What do we call uh, an own assist? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Alion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the Alion, okay? Oh, I, love, I love stuff, people. Love you, it. You can, you can love smell it. it baking in the oven. It's, it's nice, warm. Uh, made by your favorite what? chef. Are you talking about the kidney pie? No, no, not the pie. What he he makes afterwards. Here's another hint. Ow. Oh, ghost in this episode was great. That's what you're talking about, right? <laughs> no. no the <laughs> I'm sorry to make everyone wait. The wolf-shaped bread was beautiful and teary and sad and beautiful. And I just, I don't know. Delicious. 
It's hard to get emotional about a TV show when you really think about it, but an episode like this has done wonders. So I'm going to actually give my own and round it out to more of the disgusting sides of things and go right to my notes, which are very little. Disemboweled, period. Different mountain, period. Guts. And then the next, which is actually my own, Cersei's reaction to all of this as she walks up and says and talks to him. She says, you seem to be in good form. I thought, mm-hmm. Alrighty then. We're going to have a trial by combat, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be crazy. Did you see what he was doing? <laughs> yes, we did. We couldn't not see it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our owns. Uh, hopefully they did not let you down. May the mountain never get another own on this show, ever. I hope he sees his end. We'll find out next week, won't we? That's true. Or two, two weeks. weeks. So you have until Friday, people listening at home, playing with your mobile devices, to send us your owns. I think we all know what they are at this point, but just in case you need a reminder. Eric, do you have one off the top of your head that you could just throw out? Softer than virgin's thighs. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Now that mouth will tell you how to speak. Keep your distance, but submit your tweets to <laughs> at Game of Owns on Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Be sure you're logged in when you tweet it us, otherwise it won't work. Also, Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Scroll upon our Facebook wall. Um, we love it when you do See that. You, it feels good. Mm. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns is our wall. And, of course, you can email us at any time. Contact at GameofOwns.com. And we do read it. We, we do. do. And I will say that uh, we've been teasing it for a while, iTunes. And we know you've been leaving your reviews over there. We really appreciate it. This Friday... We do promise we will go through some of them. It's been like three weeks at this point, but you know what? It allows them to kind of pile up and, uh, they're better when they're aged. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> need a good seasoned yeah. review. For those of you wondering what we're talking about, you can head on over to iTunes, rate the show, review the show. It is May. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Spiciest review. Mm. Spicy. Make them You dirty. were talking about seasoned reviews, and that reminded me it is, in fact, a season is upon us, and that is con season. Oh, it is. First and foremost, Indie Pop Con. Indie Yay! Pop Con taking place in Indianapolis, Indiana. Wow. That's... I never would have guessed. <laughs> but that is in just a couple of weeks' time, and we will be there in a big way. So close. Uh, we will be there. Uh, May 30th through June 1st, and uh, we'll be joined by a couple of guests. Isn't that right, Zach? Oh, it's true. It's going to be a very, very exciting weekend. We will be doing our first ever live show for Game of Owns on that Sunday, June the 1st, in the afternoon. And uh, I know we're all looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, throughout the weekend, a couple of uh, Game of Thrones actors will be there. Christian Nairn, who uh, plays somebody, I forget who it is, and uh, Esme Bianco, who plays, or who played, I should say, Roz. She was involved in a very bad crossbow accident. Leave your crossbows at home, people. Yes, don't bring them to the con, but uh, it's going to be a really fun weekend, and we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to a lot of listeners finding their way to Indianapolis and interacting with us throughout the course of the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a weekend of fun, excitement, surprises, mysteries. I'm going to hide some of Eric's belongings around the city. It's going to be awesome, guys. Oh, you great. Totally come. <laughs> Check out the website, IndiePopCon.com, if you're anywhere near the Indianapolis area. We'd love to see you there. You're going to be hearing us talk about this for the next few episodes because it is only days or something like that away, guys. Can you Ten believe that? Days. I Ten know. days away. It's going to be nuts. We're going to eat cake together, take pictures of it, also record podcasts while we do that. So stay tuned because Friday... 
is approaching. I'm Zach. Okay. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. And we'll succeed. See you Friday. Beware the moon door. Keep your distance. Hey, hey Zach, Zach, what? catch it. I'm throwing you an Alion. Oh, thank you. Oh, God, this Alion is so heavy. Oof. Those were the mountains, boulders.